This is Chad Harrison, and you're listening to Hope Alive, applying God's word to your daily life. Hi, this is Chad Harrison, and I am the teaching pastor of Lake Community Church and have been serving as a pastor for 25 years. I'm also a practicing attorney. This podcast is designed to help you study God's word and find God's will for your life. I pray in the name of Jesus right now that God would open up his word to you and allow you to see him and to know him and to know his will, that you might glorify him and that you might walk in faith and power each and every day, especially today in Jesus' name. The psalm that we're in this morning is God is the refuge of his people and conquering of the nations. This is a song of Korah, the sons of Korah, and that psalm, this psalm is actually written by Alamoth. And the truth is that you're going to recognize almost every verse in this psalm because it is widely quoted and it is a song of expectation. And what I love about it is that it's a song that actually doesn't lament to God and then find uh, faith in the midst of the psalm. It's a psalm of expectation about who God is. And that's why it's quoted so much, because it is really genuinely a psalm of faith. It starts out, God is our refuge and strength, a very present, a very present help in trouble. See what it's, see how he, he starts off, this is who God is. Now that, 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 that kind of knowledge and to be able to say that about God is a personal, it's a personal place that, that you come to. It is a place where you, uh, where you you have gone through difficulty, you've gone through a time of trouble, and God to be that because you've experienced him. You've sought him out. You've experienced him being that help in that time of trouble. And so when it says God is our refuge and our strength, our very present help in time of trouble, he, he's, he's speaking that as if he knows. That he's speaking that from experience. And when you're, when you're longer into your walk of faith and you're longer into your journey of faith with God, and you have been through times of difficulty and trouble. I, I say that wisdom doesn't necessarily come with age because it, wisdom is God's perspective on the universe and action. The truth uh, of how God has made things and then you know how he acts in the midst of his creation. And, and that is wisdom. That's understanding of how God moves and how God uh, is. But And you can have that wisdom at a very young age. You can have seek, seek God out and know a lot about God at a very young age, but it does take experience. And so even at a young age, you can't have wisdom without experience. And so you have to have experience some of the movements of God in your life. And the, obviously uh, David was a, a wise man when he went after Goliath because he had knowledge of the way God was and the way God responds. And he trusted in how God is and so in the midst of of that time of trouble and that time of difficult and and that time of seeing the Goliath out there mocking God and mocking David's people he he knew that God would go with him into battle he had some wisdom there he had wisdom that God would would act if he trusted him and he acted and it doesn't require age but oftentimes it comes with age because well because we have to go through a lot of experiences in life to see God move. And then oftentimes we've got to see God move in the same way a couple of three times because it doesn't seek in how he does things. 
until we've been through it a few times. And the truth is that uh, we don't always learn all that we can learn from the situations we face in life because oftentimes we put, us, put ourselves back in that set situation. But he says here, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in our time of trouble. He is, and that is true. He is He's present, He's there. He, is, he not only is the one who's protecting our refuge, but he's also, he's, he's also our strength. He's the power by which change is brought about. And he is that a very present help in trouble in the moment that, that we're in. And so therefore he says, we will not fear. Notice he says, we're not going to fear. We're not going to be uh, fearful of the moment of the situation. We're not going to be fearful. We're going to uh, trust him. We're not going to allow fear to overcome our faith. He says, even though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea. What he's saying is, even though if there's just absolute total calamity, and I think this is really great for the age and the time we live in today because we are told that great calamity is coming and great calamity is about to happen. He says, even though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though its waters roar and be troubled. Uh, he says, though the mountains shake with its swelling, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. He, he, that's, that's what this Psalm says. He says, it doesn't matter because God is my strength and refuge, a very present help in time of trouble. And you've seen that in many, if you've walked with God and you've been a part of the church, a part of the body of Christ for a long time, he says, it doesn't matter how the oceans are, it doesn't matter how the earth is, it doesn't matter what happens with the mountains, and it doesn't matter if they shake because God is with us. And and if as we're going through the book of Revelation, as God prepares the earth for his for his judgment, the mountains shake and the men go and, and men and women go and seek uh, refuge in the mountains. We don't seek refuge in the mountains, refuge in the mountains. We seek refuge in the well we seek it in in, in God and trusting in him. And expecting him to bring us about, bring about hope and life. And, and oftentimes change, the change that God brings about does bring about the shaking of the world order and the shaking of things that are going on. And, and sometimes in life, the things that are going on around us that seem to be calamitous are the movement of God in preparation for things for us. And we should not be worried or afraid. He said, there's a river whose stream shall make glad the whose streams shall make glad the city of God. And what he's saying is the nourishment of, and rivers have always historically been important. They've been important not only because they're evidence of God's provision of water in, on the land. They're also very important because they've always been a source of, of trade and movement and a highway which travel down easily and quick travel up and down. And so rivers historically in, in, the, in the millennia past have been very important for the people. And what he's saying is there's a river in heaven. There's a river that flows from God in heaven whose tributaries, its streams, shall make glad the city of God. Or, the, or you could even say the people of God. What he's saying is God provides his nourishment from heaven. He says he gives his nourishment from the holy place. He says the holy place of the tabernacle of the most high, meaning it comes from the very holy of holies. And so God's uh, gift to us, his giving of giving to us of his flowing waters, of his nourishment of the Holy Spirit. And water is a picture of the cleansing and, and purifying and power of the Holy Spirit to change our lives. It, it comes from God. 
And so when change takes place, we don't have to be afraid. In fact, when change takes place, we can draw uh, strength from that and comfort that God is not allowing everything to remain the same. And he's not going to. It says, God is in the midst of her. Uh, she shall not be moved. And he's saying that river, and he's given that river a uh, feminine quality. And I like that because that river is a source of peace and comfort and nourishment. He says, she shall not be moved, meaning it doesn't matter what the enemy wants to do. God's going to continue to nourish his people. He's going to continue to provide the power and strength that they need. God shall help her just at the break of dawn. He's going to, he's going to provide that, that help right in the midst of his resurrection. And that's what the break of dawn always stands for. It stands for resurrection. Uh, the sunrise stands for the power of God to take that which is dead and make it alive. It says the nations raised and the king were moved. Uh, he uttered his voice and the old earth melted. Now, it doesn't matter what the nations do. It doesn't matter what, what the government says or does. It doesn't matter what, what is happening on the news or how the news is trying to be, trying to affect, effectuate things in the world. They can, they can rage and the kingdoms can do whatever they want to. He's saying he utters, he uttered his voice and the earth melted, meaning once God speaks, it doesn't matter what they say because his plans are permanent, they're eternal, and they last forever. He says, the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. I, I love that. The Lord of hosts is with us. And you'll see, you'll see that many times in, in, in Christian writings, and it's in a lot of songs. This psalm is also quoted heavily in worship songs and in hymns. He says, the Lord of hosts is with us, which means he's the Lord of the armies of heaven, where we, who are too, too numerous to count. If you'll notice, if you'll notice in the Bible, whenever the heavenly hosts are mentioned, it's not a number that is given, but it's thousands times thousands and 10,000 times 10,000 because they're innumerable. They're the angelic host of heaven are far too more, far more than we could ever imagine. And they can't be. And the God of Jacob, uh, notice the one who took Jacob, who was a thief, his name was Thief and Liar, and who schemed to get his way all his life. And then finally brought Jacob to the place where Jacob realized that he needed God for his sustenance and for his hope. He says, the God of that man, the man who spent his whole life trying to get his own will in his own way, but ultimately God brought him to the place where he learned to trust him and not trust his own, his own desires and his own schemes. He says, he's our refuge. So if, even if you're a person who, who has not trusted God in the past, he's still your refuge if, if he's your God. And, um, that's who he is. He says, come, come behold the works of the Lord. And what the psalmist is saying there, what, what he's saying is, come and look and see what God's doing in your life. He told Job, he said, come sit and counsel with me. And what he means is, let me show you my hand that has been at work in your life. And if you sit back and you look at your life and you look at all the things that God carried you through and all the things that God has taught you and all that God did to get you where you are today and the things that had to happen or you would have perished and your whole life would have been nothing. If you sit back and you think about that, you realize how great God is and how great his work has been to take care of you. And that is, that is, that's important for you to do sometimes is to consider the things God has done to take care of you and to hold on to you. He, he said, who has made desolations in the earth? Notice 
He, he's destroyed the enemies of darkness. He has, and he has caused uh, goodness and justice to rise up. And even when the enemy tries to take over again, he does not allow it. He says, he makes war cease to the end of the earth. And th this is speaking of his his coming one day, the second coming of Christ. And it's a little prophetic. He says, he makes wars to cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts the spear in two, which means God destroys the power of darkness. He's, he is he's see, putting a cease to war and to death. And, and the bow stands for, that was the weapon of that caused death from a long distance. The bow was the, the bow and arrow were the first weapon used by man to kill others from a long distance away from a distance rather than right in your and it became it became a symbol of man's ability to kill from a long ways away and so he says he breaks the bow and cuts the spear into the spear being the first weapon that killed from a distance but only from a short distance because there's in order to throw a spear that can really cause damage for a man in, in some form of armor, you have to throw it from not too far away so that the power is not lost in the distance. But the bow can kill from hundreds of yards away. He says he, 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 he burns the chariot in fire, and that was the modern-day tank of that time period. And what he's saying is God is in control, and even the armies of the earth cannot stand against him. And ultimately, he will bring them under his subjugation and he will control them. And we can trust him. We can trust him in this. He says, be still and know that I am God. How many of y'all have heard that before? How many of y'all have, have seen that before? Boy, you need to underline that and memorize it. He said, and memorize the whole verse because it's not only be still and know that I'm God, but be still and know because I will be exalted among the nations. What he's saying is, if you'll be still and let me show you, I'm going to show you that I am above all things. He says, and I will be exalted in the earth. I'm going to be exalted above the political situation. I'm going to be exalted above the economic situation. I'm going to be exalted above the religious situation. I'm going to be exalted in all of the earth. I am going to be exalted in everything that I do. I am going to exalt my name. I'm going to be above everything. And if you will be still and know that he's God, you can see those things. I was talking to somebody the other day and, and they said, I, I did, really didn't know what to do. And I said, what do you do when you don't know what to do in a situation? And he said, be still and wait on God. And that was the answer. Be still and wait on God. God is not giving you any instructions, then he has no expectation of you to move. I, I, I find that to be the older I get, the more uh, wisdom there is in that each and every day. If God has not given you instructions to move, then he has no expectation that you do. And so you should wait on him and wait on his instructions because he may be exalting himself above the earth and he may be exalting himself in your situation and you moving around is just prolonging your pain in the situation. Allow him be patient and allow him to, to take control of that situation. Be patient and allow God to be God. He said, the Lord is of host is with us. And see, that's why you can be patient. You can be still and know that he is God because he's with us. And if you look back over your life and you look back over the experiences of your life, 
and you can see God from way, way back, then that he has been with you. And so there's even greater reason to be still and wait on him because he has brought you this far. He didn't bring you this far for you to be destroyed. He brought you this far so that he might glorify himself with you. The God of Jacob is our refuge. No, notice he says that again. Don't focus on your on your inadequacies. Don't focus on the things that you have not done right. Don't focus on your sin or your unworthy. He's saying, don't focus on that because I am the God of Jacob. I'm the God who overcomes inadequacies and overcomes trouble and overcomes difficulty. I'm the God who overcomes those things. And so don't trust in yourself. Wait on him and allow him to work and allow him to show you how great he is and don't even allow the enemy to accuse you and cause you to be uneasy and cause you to be anxious and cause you to act without seeing God move first. What a great, what a great understanding this is to wait on God, to wait on him to move first and wait on his voice and his and realize that I'm a sinner and realize that I'm, I am not, I'm wholly inadequate uh, for God's plan except for him. And then when you add him in the middle of it, I'm completely adequate for his plan because I'm a part of his plan. And so I can trust in him and I don't worry about uh, my failure and I don't worry about my limitations and I don't worry about uh, the weakness that's natural to me, but I place my trust in the one who's who provides me that nourishment from his very throne room, from his very tabernacle in heaven and expect God's very best. And we talked about that so much yesterday. God's made us a light to the world and he's planted that seed deep within us and he's going to bring about a harvest in our lives. And he should, and and he should because that, that glorifies him. He's going to bring about that harvest. We need to be about not covering up the light that God has given us. We need to be, we need to be uh, waiting on his movement. And then when he moves, we join him uh, in what he's doing. And we, we, we are the source of hope in the world. Ultimately, God proves himself to be worthy of praise and worship because people can look at us in our weakness and in our, in our lostness and see that God has taken us from that and give the good things from him, given us joy and given us peace and given us patience that we can wait on him and that's attractive to those out there <clears throat> who are searching for hope. And, and God is a God who takes that which is not perfect, in fact, very imperfect, in fact, dead, and makes it alive and makes perfection out of it. His perfection, his finished work, not our perfection. And so when you read the book of Psalms and then you read this Psalm and you come across Psalm 46, it's a Psalm of experiential expectation, spiritual hope, into who God really is. And that's why it's, it's quoted in so many songs and it's quoted in, in, in so many memes on the internet is because when God's people have an anxious expectation of his good work being done in their lives and in their church and in, in their work, then when that happens, when we want to, when we expect God to move among his people and the bodies that he has created and the body of Christ that's all over the world. When we have an expectation of that, we see that because uh, faith is the 
Faith is the one thing in this world that moves God to action. Uh, faith moves God to show himself faithful and true. And so we should trust him. We should faith him each and every day. And I hope you're going to do that this week. As you go today, I pray that the Lord will bless you and keep you, that he'll make his face to shine upon you, and that he will give you hope and peace today in Jesus' name.